It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, September 7th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is excited to get back to some prospect talk with Devin Kaplan today. Yeah, he's exciting to talk about. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with the prospect expert, Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. We're doing some mailbag questions today, and those are great ways to get them to us. On today's show, we have a little bit of news related to Ivan Fedotov from Russ. And then we're going to get into Devin Kaplan and his prospects in the Flyers organization. Then we'll wrap up with those mailbag questions. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe over there as well. All right, Russ, you've got some news about Ivan Fedotov and his future in hockey. What's going on? Yeah, so he was supposed to have a court date on September 20th. And like in most weird situations, they avoided the court date and Siska signed him to a three-year deal. That's what I, I got woken up to a text from that this morning from a source. Uh, it's... Everybody seems to have that too, started breaking same time, a little later. So I believe that that is what happened. Now, the easiest way to, to, to say it's not clear cut, because even though he signed for a three-year deal, I, I've been told in October he's probably going to get traded. And there's a whole complicated reasons for that, but this is how Russian hockey seems to work. So... You know, Ska and Avant-Garde are the two teams that came up to where he may end up. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing to note here is this three-year deal pretty much takes him out of an NHL window where he, you know, could have been in the NHL in his prime. Now he'll be 28. So he gets screwed on that. And I think that is the ultimate purpose of this because since they, you know, put him on the Russian front, made him go into the military. Now, look, he did some things that he probably shouldn't have done because he lives in Russia, not because they were wrong, but because in Russia, maybe you should know better. So that little mistake that he made of just, you know, talking about things, this is what it's got him. Uh, at least he's playing hockey. Playing hockey is better than being on the Russian front. And at least he'll be safe that way. So I'm happy at least that things have calmed down for him. I feel bad that his, you know, early dream of playing in the NHL is like shot now. The Flyers will retain his rights, but, you know, who knows right. what will happen when he's 28? Like, you just don't know. And and that's where it's at. Like, so for like future and drafted hockey players, this is what I would say. Most of them who are good players are going to be signed to at least three-year deals. 
Like it's going to be like the old days, it's going to be hard, like Kaprizov, like four years for Kaprizov. If you're, you know, that good of a player, Mitchkov is signed for three more years. He's a top pick for this year. If you're that good of a player, you're going to have three or four more years there. Now, I always say to people, look, would they like to come over to, to the NHL sooner? They would, but they want to keep them over there. Um, the players do like playing there. Don't get me wrong. It's like they're in front of their friends and family. There is, you know, a load of positives. It's just, it takes away their freedom a bit, right? To decide mm -hmm. when they want to do it, how they want to do it. Now it's going to be more like when, you know, like the old days. So it, the big stars for Russia will still get drafted. And most teams will, do understand that they're going to have three, four year waits until they even get to see the player on North American soil. And there's always going to be, uh, exceptions like there hasn't been many exceptions lately with Putin, but you know, Ovechkin is certainly an exception. Kaprizov went there and back, uh, without any problem. Now, maybe money took care of that for him because he has a lot of money. You know, Fedotov doesn't. All those things make it very complicated, but this is the easiest way I could break it down, right? That's that's really interesting. So, it seems like with Ivan Fedotov in, in his particular situation, that in order for him to play hockey at all. And to get out of active duty military, this is what he had to do. This was sort of the price of admission, right? And so it's just, you know, something he unfortunately has to give up. And that's playing hockey in North America. But he is playing hockey and he's not serving in the military on active duty. So I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably the best move for him. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just disappointing as, as a Flyers fan. Um, yeah, very excited for him to have been coming over here. But in the long run, this is probably the best <laughs> he could hope for. It is. And, and you know, I know some Flyers fans asked, is this Chuck Fletcher's fault? It's not his fault. You you it's mm -hmm. hard to know everything somebody has done or is going to do in Russia. And, you know, part of it was what he hadn't done as far as service and what he was going to do, which talk about it. Um, there's no way Chuck Fletcher could know that Chuck Fletcher did his job. He signed him. He thought he was coming over. That's it. All right. Well, you know, we'll continue to track this and see if anything official comes out on a new contract or a trade or anything like that. But fascinating news out of Russia for sure. Uh, moving on to talking about Devin Kaplan, who was drafted in the third round this year at a nice 69th overall. Uh, he is from the U.S. National Team Development Program, and he's been a depth forward there. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think you know a couple interesting things about that is that he gets all of the advantages of the training and the discipline and the international experience and the competition and everything of being in that program, even though he's not the elite, elite player there. So I think, you know, as far as the Flyers concerned, that's a really good thing for him to have had that level of exposure and training. Yeah. Like if you look, and I haven't done a hard study on this, but if we look at NHLers who have had an impact of maybe a hundred games or less, from the NTDP, I would dare say it's higher than just the average college level player that tries to come in and play in the NHL, play 100 games, right? I, I'm sure it's much higher and much higher than any USHL uh, team, too, except for maybe the Chicago Steel. So 
So you have the benefit of all of that. Nobody comes out of um, the program being a slow skater. So I know skating is always something that you're you're wondering about for a big player. Uh, I don't think he's at. Yeah, he like is the, six three. So yeah, he's not at the upper echelon for skating, but I like his straight line skating. And if he can work on his explosiveness to get around um, defenders, I think that would really help him create a different kind of identity on the ice. Because at the NTDP, like you said, and you said it right, he 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 didn't get to create an identity. He just had to play a role. And he did it really well. And internationally, he got to shine a little more. And that was probably all the Flyers needed to see because they saw enough raw ability in a guy that is a potential power forward who could maybe score, you know, 15, 18 goals, but play tough minutes, uh, be a little physical. And and these are all things that are in his in his makeup. And I think he can do that. I still think he's sort of creating this identity for himself. And I think he will do that at BU. And he's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. He's smart. He's smart on the ice. He's friends with the right guys. So, like, he practices and knows Cutter Gauthier, which is a great thing for him. Yes. You know, that's a positive. So, all of those things are are really, really good. Um, you know, just, just as an example, uh, I was just talking to Brendan Brisson yesterday at the NHL Rookie Photo Shoot. And so, you know, it turns out in the offseason, he still trains with a lot of guys that – that he knows and all of these guys are elite players. And if, if this is the same situation for Kaplan where he could, you know, still train with his buddies, that's great. Cause even, even with Brisson, I was like, well, who's the goalie for all this? I mean, you can, you know, you got veneers here, you got all these Michigan guys and he's like Connor Hellbuck. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. And so if Kaplan gets sort of hooked in with that, and gets to work out in the offseason with players of that caliber, that's also going to help him even as much as the Flyers could help him. So I, I think the pick was a good one, and I think um, it could be a real plus benefit for them down the road. Excellent. Uh, you did mention his international experience, and in his last U18 tournament, he got a goal in five assists in six games, and I think – Uh, More importantly, no penalty minutes in that tournament, which had been a little bit of a problem for for him uh, in some of his regular season games. And so to see him kind of come out with a clean tournament was really good as well. Yeah, And he's he's an interesting guy Um, when he um, ended uh, rookie camp. You know, he he scored. I think he scored on a penalty shot or maybe that was the one that was in question. Who knows? But. But the idea was, you know, I'd asked him about his, you know, was that his best move? And he goes, nah, I got a couple. I didn't want to use them all here, you know. And and so he he is a guy that's constantly working on his offensive game, but does work on his overall game, too. And so at BU, uh, if he could be in the top nine to start, that would be really good. Even if he's on the third line there, you're playing against a lot of good talent. You, you you are expected to play well away from the puck. Like, they, you know, BU sort of plays, you know, the way that John Tortorello would want them to play. So still with Kaplan, I think he's going to stay two years there. I think, you know, it still could be a year in the AHL and then the NHL. Uh, if it speeds up at any point during there, I'd be surprised. But, you know, I think that's still probably his path. We will talk more about that coming up next. But first, we will hear about our friends at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built, Par- Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? 
Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a, They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are the are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It will be a, the perfect treat. Or you could find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough, Chunk Puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. Continuing to talk about newly drafted for Devin Kaplan, I think uh, in the development camp environment, he really, I think, thrived. And you talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that and and the move he made. I think to me, one of the most significant things, and this also relates to your point about skating, is that I think he's really realistic about what his skating abilities are, what he's good at and what he's not good at. And it was really remarkable to me in one of the post-session press conferences where he talked in extreme detail about what he needed to work on skating-wise in terms of his ankle strength and the quick cuts and things like that and who he was working with and how and and what he has to do. And you don't really hear a lot of players talk about it in that level of specificity. And, and that was really impressive to me. Yeah, and I think that is because he came out of the program. Like, that's something that they stress there. They had their own trainers there uh, and they're world-class. And so... That's something where he is already aware. And he, look, he sees, you know, players like Gauthier who could really skate and, and other players, uh, bigger players that could skate a little better than him. So he kind of knows. And and that's fine. I mean, that's, you know, everybody, everybody has their own scale on how quickly they can do things, turn them around and be good at them. Like Sidney Crosby used to work on one thing every offseason, even though he was Sidney Crosby. And you would say he was great at everything. He still did that. Um, I think if you're a player and you still do that and you, you know, like, I, you're going to a college for a couple of years, you are going to get better. And I think the fact that um, he did work with Gauthier early on in camp just to kind of get comfortable, get his feet wet is a, is a really good thing too. That's a real positive for the Flyers because there was a com- comfortability factor. I felt like um, with Kaplan the whole time, I, you know, the fact that he's a third rounder, that's good because there's not a ton of pressure on him. Uh, I think sometimes there's too much pressure put on guys that are drafted first or second round simply because they were drafted first or second round. Uh, you know, I don't think the Flyers put as much on that as other teams, and I think now they've backed off that for sure uh, with recent years with the way some things have worked out and not worked out, like you know Nolan Patrick as an example. And I think that's the right mm-hmm. way to go. You're in the you're all in the same fish pond at this point. Just you know the good ones are gonna are gonna be the ones that that make it and. And I think Kaplan will make it. I just can't tell you that 
he's going to be a high end um, second liner. He might be a really good third liner. And there is still a possibility that, hey, you know, if you have four good lines, he's going to roll on the fourth line, but could still score for you. Like he, you know, he's going to be in one of those roles. And I think that's where college will, will figure that out because I think we'll see how physical he gets and how much scoring he can do. And then that'll sort of carve out his niche. One of the things that I read about him in a couple places was that he was a little gun shy in terms of taking more shots. And that was something that he needed to work on. Do you think that showed at dev camp or do you think that's something like you just said that in college he'll kind of be forced into taking more shots? No, I think in college he'll be forced into doing that. I, I remember him saying after one of the days of dev camp about the NTDP or just in a conversation that I had with him, like, Hey, um, the line that I was on, I wasn't expected to be one of the top scorers. So, you know, when you sort of have that mentality, like, you know, that, Hey, I'm here to sort of dig in the corners, pass the puck, play those hard trailer. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to all of a sudden just start taking shots and trying to score when the kind of the, the coach has a, you know, an idea of what he wants you to do. He's not going to yell at you if you score, don't get me wrong, but to step out of that, mm, I can't blame him from not doing it at the NTDP. Yeah. Uh, I talked a little bit about his discipline and the penalty minutes, uh, even though he did have that good U18 tournament. I think that, you know, the college game, if you are prone to taking a lot of penalty minutes, you're going to get called in college. I I think that that tends to happen in NCAA hockey. And I think that BU is a good place for him to go in order to maintain you know, whatever improvements he's making in terms of that discipline and ma- using his physicality appropriately and not doing things that'll get him put in the box, you know? Yeah. But uh, do we have to worry about that or do you think he's on the right path? No, I mean, look, is it possible that in his first year he pushes a few guys from behind, gets called for like, you know, majors and, and learns his lesson, it's possible that could happen because college hockey really, you know, cracks down on that. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think in the end, because the USHL has no fighting, um, I think he's already sort of on that path. I know he played on the edge for the NTDP because they would play college teams and, and other um, really great teams at times. But I think he, he knows what he's going to have to do. And I, and really it's what, what will end up happening is, let's say he's playing second line and he's going against, you know, the other teams, let's say it's, you know, BC and he's going up against, you know, their best second liners that maybe are two years away from the NHL and a little more advanced than them. That's when you're going to see if he is going to resort to that or not. That's the only way you're going to know. Yeah. Especially in those bean pot games. (laughs) When everything's amped up, you know, the whole crowd's Mm -hmm. there going crazy, you know, it's full in the press box. You know, they got Bobby Orr there sometimes. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the sort of fun things about him on the side, he is from New Jersey originally, Mm -hmm. uh, from Bridgewater, and played with the North Jersey Avalanche, which is basically one of the top two programs for New New Jersey youth hockey. So he's he's got a good pedigree, but also just the the fun thing that came up at the draft with him being a Rangers fan and his brother being a Flyers fan and how he kind of had to be like, uh, guess my brother is getting the, getting the good fandom in the family. 
Yeah, I, and then I went further and asked him about football, and of course he said the Giants, and I was like, yeah, I get it. Well, you're not a Jet fan. I get it. Um, <laughs> it was just, But I was curious. I'm always curious to know. Um, what's funny about team with guys that when they change teams that are they're fans of other teams, it's not that hard of a switch. It really isn't. No. Now, but what I will tell you is it's not like they've given up on that team completely in their heart. Like They'll keep track of some of those players because now they're in the league and kind of you know peak at things their loyalty is definitely with the new team but i can't tell you they give up the other team a hundred percent because i don't believe that that's true either yeah you know i think that's a good point and you know you were saying you know he's got probably like a three to four year path to the nhl so he either Mm -hmm. finish out at bu or play three years uh, probably depends on how he's doing in the program there. Like if they've just missed out on the championship or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I mean, if, like but, I said, if he's really excelled and he gets out in two, that you know, that's possible. And a lot of times if they're close to a championship, it's possible. I don't know if you will get to that point. They haven't been there lately. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those things all, all play into it. And And education, we can't ever, you know, there are some players, I'll, I'll put it like this, hockey does a better job than basketball for sure in in player graduations and so like if he goes to the flyers and says hey look i'm going to sign with you guys but i'm going to graduate too and maybe i'm going to go three years and then i'll finish it out in the summer they're going to let him do that they're going to be like yeah do that you know and it wouldn't shock me if he wants to if he you know decides to do that that happens a lot It does. All right. I think that's a good note to end on with Devin Kaplan. Uh, Looking forward to seeing uh, him in future camps and all of that good stuff as he heads to college this fall. Coming up next, we'll have some of your mailbag questions. All right, Russ, we have some good mailbag questions that are kind of related to what we talked about on some previous shows. Andrew wants to talk about the defensemen and mentions that, you know, the top well-rounded defensemen in the league cost about nine or 10 million bucks a year. And that the flyers are paying 10 million for two defensemen, a physical defenseman in Risto and an offensive defenseman in D'Angelo. So that 10 million still gets you a quote unquote complete package in two different guys. And so Andrew wants to know, can their partners balance them out and we still get the cumulative effect of a nine or $10 million defenseman? Not really. So like, like, here's the way I look at it. Yes, you are getting parts of what you want in a nine or a $10 million defenseman. But if you're now asking me, would I rather have Kale McCarr or would I rather have D'Angelo and Risto? My answer is going to be, I'd rather have Kale McCarr. Or if, do I want Quinn Hughes or do I want Risto and, and D'Angelo? I, I would rather have Quinn Hughes. And yeah. so you may fill more holes, and that is true, and that's what they've done here. But the overall talent, it factor, the, the problem is this. Um, D'Angelo is a really good guy to have the puck on the stick. He's very talented offensively and everything else. But he hasn't really proved it over um, a good playoff run or playoff runs that he's had now where he could be the guy and McCarr has proven that he could be the guy. So he's earned that money. I think Quinn Hughes is well on the path to being that guy where all of a sudden, you know, you don't want the puck on his stick 
uh, late in the game in the playoffs. I think that's where those nine and ten million guys really earn their money. Yeah, I agree with you there. That was kind of the point I was going to make is that the five million dollar guys aren't going to step up to the level of a nine or ten million dollar guy and and have that kind of impact, especially in key situations. Right. So, you know, when you're down a goal or or in a playoff situation, like you said. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it as well. Uh, Phil wanted to know about kind of the torts philosophy and asked if Chuck Fletcher is waiting for injured players from last year to get points so he can trade him for max value, kind of see where torts uh, creates his core, and then everybody else is kind of up for grabs at the trade deadline. I mean, I think there's a lot of sense to that. Um, Torts is there to fix a lot of things, but max value, like, I don't know what, at this point, JVR max value probably is still a second round pick. And I'm not sure he'll even get that. He would have to have 20 something goals, I think, to get a second round pick. So you're probably talking a third round pick for JVR. That's probably his max value. Um, you know, Sanheim, if you have to trade him because you don't feel like you could sign him. It's possible you could get somebody to bite on a um, a low first round pick. So if it's one of the winning teams and they are giving you like a 31st or 32nd in next year's draft, not this year's draft, because they're not going to do it this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you might be able to get that and and a, uh, you know, B level, C level prospect. Yeah, I think you can get that for Sanheim. I don't know if there's anybody else, you, you know, connecting. I think they tried to trade Connecty. And so again, what could you get for Connecty? You might be able to get the same thing I just said for Sandheim, but that's only if he is scoring at the rate that Travis Connecty is scoring at. And if he is, you might just keep him because Torts unlocked him again. Yeah, I, I think those are all good points here. And, you know, that kind of leads into the next questions that we got uh, in reaction to our episode we did on James Van Reemsdyke. You mentioned, you know, his ability to maybe get traded at the deadline. And so that was like a big question for a lot of people. Um, But I think based on a lot of the comments we got over on YouTube for that episode, uh, do you think he's a detriment to his teammates on the ice with him, like defensively? Is it so much of a negative effect that it causes other problems? Yeah, I do. I do think that there's there's that. I think he has played a little better away from the puck. But again, I do think he does things that can be detrimental to the defensive structure of a team. You know, as far as the locker room, like I said, he's a good guy. But there is a point where you have to sort of even weed out some of the good guys if they're sort of like a vanilla guy that hasn't really mm-hmm. pushed it too way too much one way or the other. Like, would you call James Van Riemsdyk a leader on that team? I wouldn't. I think he kind of goes with the flow. And so I think, I think, you know, you want to weed out a certain amount of players like that. I think you need more guys that can lead themselves because right now the Flyers don't have a captain, and I've been asked about that. So I don't think they're gonna they're gonna hire you know have a captain this year. I think they're gonna have a bunch of A's. So if you're gonna get an A from Tortorella, you really have to be a leader. Yeah, I don't think he's anywhere close to a leader. I think he's too quiet there and. You know, even when he does what he does well successfully in terms of, you know, front of the net redirects on the power play or something, he just isn't 
as like hyper enthusiastic about it. He doesn't inspire his teammates in in a way that I think really enhances what he's doing out there. So I think that he is a it's just going to kind of be a long march to the end of the season for him. And then it'll just kind of walk away quietly is the way I think it's, it's going to go with James Van Riemsdyk. If you want more on that, go back and listen to Monday's show where we get into depth about his numbers and, and all of that stuff. Um, that'll do it for today's show. I did want to mention that today is the 11 year anniversary of the locomotive crash where uh, we lost Brad McCrimmon, who was the coach of that team and uh, always fond memories of Brad McCrimmon as a flyer. Yeah. Him. And I, I knew some other players had interviewed them. Some of them were Stanley cup winners, still just overwhelming sadness. I mean, just, you know, there's nothing else you can really say. Yeah. I want to end things on a more fun note, though. We do have a highlight interview package on Devin Kaplan's profile from the USNTDP website. He's very charming and a lot of fun. And so I highly recommend you go to that, read his profile, watch the video. He's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to him being a part of the Flyers program. Yeah. I was going to say fun personality for sure. Absolutely. Uh, We'll be back on Friday. We're going to do another Metro division crossover with Jay Foster from locked on Columbus blue jackets. I'm sure we're going to talk about Johnny Goudreau and how all that went down as well as uh, their participation in the global series that is coming up as a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at lockdown flyers. You can also email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL, your daily NHL podcast. Have a great day, everyone.